Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I'm Tom, and tonight I am here with a show-and-tell episode where we bring on a guest, or in this case, two guests, and we're going to talk about something cool. Uh, today's guests are podcasters, Tanner Clausen and then Amelia Antrim. I probably should have asked you, Amelia, is that how you pronounce your last name? It is. All right, perfect. Just like it's spelled. All right, so and the cool thing that we're going to be talking about is the Shadow of the Cabal podcast and the brand new campaign that you guys are going to be starting and also we're going to potentially talk about the new edition of legends of the five rings sound good guys absolutely yeah i'm excited all right so real quick how's everybody doing tonight good this is my second show and tell promoting this show that it's already on the rpg academy network yeah i think michael had me on for one like right when i first came on that makes sense yeah i went back and listened to that one tanner and i was just i was like oh man all these questions that michael missed i'm gonna make sure we get them this time he he's not the greatest interviewer but god we love the mulligan episode okay no it was good (laughs) or maybe you just weren't very good guest that's true yeah i I, that was pre-amelia yeah every that's how we we there's eras in the shadow of the cabal um canon now (laughs) okay so um everybody's doing good so let's go ahead and most people who kind of listen to our podcast know you all. Uh, you guys are doing a ton of stuff, but let's go ahead and give us a brief introduction of who you guys are and what you guys do in this weird, wonderful world of tabletop RPGs. And you know what, Amelia, let's go ahead and kick things off with you. All right. Um, I am Amelia. I am the newest cast member of the Shadow of the Cabal podcast. Um, I did a couple Q&A things with them last year and then joined the cast now for the new campaign. I also am the co-host of Character Creation Cast, which is a show where we create characters in different RPG systems with guests. And then also once a month, we do Character Evolution Cast, which is our player advice series. And then I am also one of the co-hosts of the Garbage of the Five Rings podcast. Which yes, you are. Is, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is a, a garbage podcast uh, that I do with my friend Jude about the old lore for L5R uh, from the AEG days. We are digging through, in order, all of the trash. It's, there's uh, as, as somebody who's new to um, Legends of the Five Rings, you, it is eye-opening how much trash is there. And I kind of said this before, and I'm not joking, it is probably my newest favorite podcast so it's going oh, to be the, <laughs> with the listening to this new campaign for shadow of the cabal it's going to be the perfect you know um when i when i when i not having shadow of the cabal i can just go ahead and listen over to some garbage of the five rings you know get my l5r fix yes kind absolutely of. maybe yes and then you'll be sorry <laughs> that you even wanted that to begin with yes <laughs> probably all right so let's go ahead and tanner remind everybody what you do Hi, um, I'm Tanner. I am the host and the usual game master of the Shadow of the Cabal podcast, an actual play in the RPG Academy. Um, we got started and got added to the RPG Academy when we were playing our first game in uh, L5R 4th edition. And um, once that wrapped up, we played a couple other systems. I ran uh, a game. Dakota, another uh, player on our show, ran a ran a campaign for us. We added Amelia, and um, now that fifth edition L five R is out, we are gearing up to release our first episode uh, for L five R fifth edition. Our new campaign is called Song of the Crane, and it will come out February first. So I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this, that 
it should already be out. So go check Shadow of the Cabal and listen to it. Yeah, we're planning on, we're hoping to get this one up as soon as possible. And because that's why we wanted to bring you guys on. New campaign, a great opportunity for new listeners to hop on board. So we really just want to chat about that. What makes it different than the previous campaign? Um, what you guys are looking forward to? What fans and listeners can expect? And and everything else in between. So, like you said, new campaign, new cast. Kind yeah. of. Alright. <laughs> kind of. So, you're continuing <laughs> with, you've got Ryan, Justin, and Dakota still mm-hmm. are going to be carrying on and but then you've added amelia yeah i'm actually curious to amelia what's your perspective on this because you were a um some may say mega fan (laughs) of the first campaign of show of the cabal you've listened to it more than i have um so and obviously we've recorded a couple sessions of our new campaign so what feels different i guess from a, a listener perspective about the new one Ooh, um i think that part of it is because you know, last time was your first foray into podcasting. You guys had played together, I think, but not recorded it. Right. And so I think that we've gone in a little bit more focused this time, a little bit more sure of who our characters are and kind of what we want out of the game and what what kind of tone and what kind of story we want to get across. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's a little bit more purposeful, maybe. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that we're carrying on the tradition of having a dramatic actual play, which I think there is sort of a dearth of in the actual play community. There's a lot of very, very good shows, but a lot of them sort of skew towards the more humorous stuff. Um, Not to say that that's better or worse than dramatic play, but we decided to try to do something different with it. And our new campaign is definitely carrying on the sort of ultra serious melodrama tone that we said in the first one even if the the scale of the story is a little bit different. yeah and i think for you guys i mean legends of the five rings correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong but this system it plays better when you play it in a more dramatic way is that correct yeah I, i'd say so i've played in some pretty goofy l5r games and i unlike something like D I don't think like the 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 experience is like improved by it being taken less seriously it's almost like a soap opera like the the further you get into it and the more you buy into it the more you'll get out of it so tanner then from a from a gm's perspective what is what kind of difficulties arise with running this sort of high drama more serious game um keeping my players straight <laughs> <laughs> i think um it's it's definitely a challenge we try to get all of our goofs out uh early as amelia can attest to before we really start um rocking and rolling on the recording but um i just try to set the tone that i want the players to follow so i i try to be the guy who you know if something gets a little too out of hand i try to be the one who reins it back in and sets the sets the tone um uh, amelia what's your what's your experience been with it i think it's just something that we all had to buy into to begin with. I think you're right that it does the system does tell dramatic stories better than like comedic ones, I think. It was just built to embrace those kinds of dramatic tropes and the kind of like tragedies, I think. And knowing that going into it was really important. And so I think that that really is the best thing that you can do in that case is just make sure that everybody knows going into it this is the expectation and it's going to go better for everybody if 
we have a more dramatic tone, a more serious tone. And I think as long as everybody buys into that, then you're good to go Yeah, most it, of the time. <laughs> yeah, that player buy-in is so important with a game like this. And so, Amelia, with this in mind of it being a more dramatic style of game, as a player, we've got Tanner's perspective as a GM. But when it comes to playing in a more dramatic game, are you? is this a type of game that you then you're more inclined to play, personally? Um, it, it's something that I've started looking for a little bit more in games that I play. It L5R was the first dramatic game that I ever played. I had played in kind of weird, silly games before. We, I think my group started with Shadowrun before we did L5R, and it was very weird and silly. And so this was the first dramatic game that I played, and that's what really drew me to it, was that you were telling totally different stories than I had ever told at the table and very different stories than I had heard on even a lot of the actual play podcasts that I'd been listening to. And so that's something that I personally really like in my games, but I I know it's not a thing that's, you know, necessarily for everyone. And that's not to say that like fun and silly games don't happen or that there aren't those kinds of moments in our own games. Like we've had a few things come up in play that are just kind of silly and fun because I think that it can get kind of oppressive after a while, if you're too too focused on being serious all the time, yes. like there needs to be a little bit of a balance there. But personally, I lean much more toward the the dramatic side of things. Yeah, you have to have some levity to kind of bring yourself back up, so then Tanner can just absolutely crush our spirits. Yes. So then, how long have uh, Tanner? How long have you been playing um, Legends of the Five Rings? Then um, I first picked it up. Um, I think in like 2012 or 2013, it was fourth edition. Um, a good friend of mine who I went to high school with and I, st- I still play games with now, he actually got involved in the online L5R community and in, in the play by post side, um, where they were making like crazy story decisions and they were role playing winter court on forums for like months straight. Um, and he, I, I had no interest in, in that and I still kind of don't, but <laughs> his enthusiasm for the setting and the lore, he brought it to us. He's like, Hey, let's try this other game. And at that point, I'd really only played like D and D and a couple like other things here and there. Um, and we played it a couple times and it was cool. And then I completely forgot about it for like five years. <laughs> must not have been that cool then. <laughs> yeah. must not have been that cool. Um, I played some other games in the meantime, and then after the RPG Academy and One Shots um, L5R uh, series, which is phenomenal, you should go listen to it. I'm sure that most listeners yeah, that's have. A, by that's kind of legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's legendary. Yeah. So um, after that, I posted on um, on like the the subreddit for I think it was I think it was the One Shot subreddit. I'm like, hey, I know how to run this game if people want to you know, play. And then I recruited Justin and Dakota and Ryan there. And then we started playing and we met some friends and we recruited Amelia as well. And we've been going ever since. Okay. Um, so let's take a step back then because some people may not even, they're maybe listening to this and like Shadow of the Cabal sounds great, but what is, so I'm not sure how you guys want to tackle this or who wants to tackle this. What is, give us like the thousand foot overview is what is legends of the five rings and what is rokugan amelia yeah, i feel like this is an amelia this? question Ooh, man where does <laughs> she's, she's been so far she's been neck deep in the trash she's got to take a yeah, step so back like, if somebody were to like just look at the let's just say fifth edition the fifth edition the box or the book and they're like if they were to pick this up what would they be getting themselves into you are you're playing in rokugan which is kind of an 
an analog for like feudal Japan. So in this game, all of your player characters are samurai. And then there's also a lot of mystical elements. There's, you know, magic and um, some very weird creatures. And, uh, but a lot of it is like politics and intrigue and that kind of stuff, which is why it sort of skews more toward the serious side. Um, essentially, you are playing out a sort of samurai drama. Okay. And there's the, the one other thing I wanted to ask about, because it seems to, it, it means so much to the game, is clans. Yes. I keep hearing people talk about clans. And when I go on the internet, people are just, this is, everybody is arguing about clans. And I'm like, clans, what is so important <laughs> about yeah. these clans? So some of that is a holdover from the card game from back when it started. And it's because people would play decks of specific clans. And I, I know now, I'm not sure about back then, but now you kind of have, you have to keep playing the same clan. And AEG, the company that originally owned it, did a lot to kind of like push people to have these arguments about whose clan was better. And, you know, like the tournament decisions would affect like what kind of cards you got and all that kind of stuff. And so there was a lot of incentive to like make sure that your clan was better than the other clans. And so there's there's still a lot of that in there. I I don't love it, but I still maintain that I have a favorite clan. So... Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things. Yeah, the, the clans in, in Rokugan and the fiction of the world, <clears throat> you can kind of think of them as like the houses in Game of Thrones, where um, they're a, a loose grouping of people and families who have all picked a favorite animal uh, to name their clan after together. And they sort of embody a specific ideology about the world or about Bushido, which is the code of the warrior, which is theoretically important to every samurai. But um there are seven great clans in the Fantasy Flight Games uh, timeline, which is the the current one that we will be playing in. And um, each one sort of views the world a little bit differently, and they get along with some other clans, and they don't get along with others. Okay. So, yeah, you you get this cool. It's Game of Thrones a samurai. That's the best way I could I could describe it to somebody. I would I'm say. down 100. percent I'm in. <laughs> Sold it. Yeah, that's all yeah. you usually need to so, sell it to somebody. So, all right. So, Tanner, what's your favorite clan? Ooh. Despite us playing Song of the Crane, which our new campaign is all going to be Crane Clan uh, characters, the Crane are like totally in the middle of my favorite clans. I think they're interesting, but they're not my favorite. I would say my favorite is the Scorpion Clan. Um, they are the underhand of the Emperor. They do all of the dishonorable things that samurai shouldn't do. Um, they are there to be the villains to make sure that if any of the clans rises up to threaten the emperor, they are the villain that takes the fall for the emperor. They explore this really interesting space of being mustache twirling villains, but also fulfilling a very deep duty to the empire in that they are there to be a villain when the empire needs a villain to unite against. That's so much more nuanced than it was explained to me by someone else who just described them as bunch of the rokugan edgelords so i mean they're, they're that not too. not that but yeah i mean yeah. that's a playing a scorpion is really difficult i think in a lot of games because people miss a lot of that nuance and that's part of why i like them too is because i think that that's like a neat space to be in of the ends justify the means okay Right. So Amelia, then who is yours? Is it Scorpion or is it someone else? It is not. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tanner's making the face. Um, my favorite clan is the Phoenix Clan. They are the uh, 
they are the what's the word the magical boys is that what they are i mean pretty much yeah they are the scholars and um magic enthusiasts let's say (laughs) of the empire they they are particularly interested in the elements and studying magic and you know sometimes making sure nobody else does magic and being the best at magic and they're also my least favorite clan which is great i know (laughs) That, that, that tension. I love it. You need to have it in a game group for it to be good. Yes. <laughs> if we all agreed with each other too much, it would be boring. Yeah. Well, so why are they yeah. your least favorite? I don't know that you've ever told me why they're your least favorite. Oh, I haven't? That's impossible. Um, they're my least favorite because so, – so a big thing with the Phoenix is that they preach um, peace, um, but they – and like pacifism, but they do it from a place of being the 1% of the world. Like they're the people who own all the food and own all the soldiers and then say, Hey, let's be peaceful. It's like, well, okay, great. You're like, that's like, you know, climbing to the top of the hill and then saying the game's over, yes. you know? Yeah. No, I mean, they are hands down like the biggest hypocrites because I, I yeah, like they, the, the Phoenix clan motto. I'm pretty sure is do as I say, not as I do. Yes. And that is totally what I'm they, totally they do. I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're the ones who are saying like, oh, um, you're not experienced enough to use this dangerous magical thing, but I'm going to do it and promptly mess it up and cause an apocalypse for the world. That's what the Phoenix are. So I wanted to, why I had you guys here, it being, you guys are Legends of the Five Rings professionals. I need help Uh-oh. picking a favorite clan. Tell us what you like. What I'm looking for in a clan is I want a clan who is, you can tell me if this exists or not. I'm looking for the chillest clan. I want, I want low, I want low stress. I want people who are, you know, not freaking out all the time. That's kind of who would, which clan would that be? Chillest clan. So I would say dragon. Yeah, I was going to say dragon or unicorn, right? Yeah. So the, the, the whole thing with the dragon clan is that, um, their duty to the emperor and to the empire is to contemplate the mysteries of the universe. Um, they're philosophers. They're individualists in a way that no other clans are. Um, they really encourage going your own way. Um, on the flip side of that, at worst, they're inactive or um, passive in areas where maybe they shouldn't be active. They're prone to doing weird, mysterious crap and getting on each everyone else's nerves. Okay, um, but. But they're the they're the quote unquote weird ones. Okay, um, I'm I'm down with weird. But then you also mentioned something. This is new to fifth. No, maybe not new to fifth edition, but back for fifth edition is the unicorn clan. Yes, yeah. So the unicorn clan were um, in in the other editions too. Their story is that they were they were part of Rokugan and then they left for a while for like a long time. They went and wandered around the rest of the world and um, came back eventually with all of these weird customs and it kind of makes them very different from what the rest of Rokugan knows as polite society. So they do things like eating red meat and wearing fur and things like that that everybody else kind of feels is a little bit uncouth and they have these kind of weird traditions and have, you know, cool wizard or cool desert death priests and things like they're pretty neat yes i was reading through the beginner's box for fifth edition and the way that they described the unicorn clan and now that you guys have mentioned it i think the unicorn clan is going to be my favorite we had in the beginner's box there's a tea house where they're just kind of chilling over in the corner like a bunch of bros drinking sake and you know i was like you know i could hang out with them yeah yeah i could hang out with them the unicorn are actually my second favorite clan um i i really like their they approach individualism in 
uh, a different way than the dragon do um, in, in that they celebrate diversity and um, sincerity and like taking things that work from other cultures and sort of amalgamating them um, to their own. And they're not afraid to be who they are uh, in a way that pretty much every other samurai is in, in some way. Um, they really are into horses. So if you like horses, you know, you'll like the unicorn clan <laughs> and they're good for new players too, or people new to the setting because um, you can experience Rokugan from a point of view of unfamiliarity with the unicorn character, as well as if you're a new player yourself, like it's okay if you don't get everything right when you role play, because your unicorn character wouldn't either, you know, you were likely raised by people who lived outside of Rokugan for a long time and came back. That's, I mean, that's, that's a, if that's, if that's really how they designed this fifth edition and this clan specifically, that was a genius. Yeah, yeah. They they do a good job um, of giving you a couple options that are good, like, beginner options. Like, I would say the Scorpion are not... I mean, I don't want to tell anybody how to play a game right or wrong, but I think they're harder to do well if you're a new player. Um, it, it's harder to achieve that nuance if you don't have a firm understanding of the way the world okay. works of Rokugan. But, like, Unicorn, you can pretty much just jump right in and be like, yeah, I'm a horse warrior. What's all this stuff? And then you'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's what your character would think, too. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, so... One of the other things I wanted to talk about is from your guys' perspective as being a GM and being a player, um, playing Legends of Five Rings, is it definitely has, and this is, maybe I'm taking this a little wrong, but I was reading, it's got a slightly checkered past and just in the way that it's potentially respected other cultures and made perceive them to be and I, I it's definitely something that can be with something being in a more eastern mythology and setting um, that can be something that's hard for somebody from a western civilization so how do we and players and gms how do you guys balance this and how do you guys res- respect the material i don't know if who would i mean it's a tanner if you want to start with that <laughs> as a gm like forming these worlds and making it respectful but using what is provided to you yeah i mean i'll just first state before i say anything that i'm a straight white middle class dude from america so um i'm still learning uh there's it it just kind of comes down to you don't want to make caricatures of things that exist like for example the the religion in rokugan is a combination of taoism and shintoism and buddhism and hinduism like all that stuff is there but it's i i always just find it best to do your research like in real life like open up a real book and understand how these things actually worked and just better inform yourself about what the realities are and whether you're making a caricature of something or not um i think that the world building can do a decent job of that for you. And the writers of the game and the writers of the setting, especially in the new edition, are people who are qualified to write on that. Katrina Ostrander, who uh, we interviewed on our show, and Tom, you played yep. with at a catacon. Um, she's one of the designers of, of 5th edition L5R, and she has an extensive history in Japanese studies and Japanese language and Japanese history. And so, like, getting it from the point of view of, of that person writing the game, um, it helps you, but it can only take you halfway and it's up to, you know, what you're doing at your table to be responsible. And the number one thing is if someone says that you're doing something wrong and they are, have the authority to say that you should probably listen to them. Yes. Listen to those people who know, um, Amelia, um, what about your, yourself? How do you take this? I think, 
I mean, for starters, I'll say that I think that the new edition has done a lot better of a job of being respectful of those things. I know that it was a question that we asked Katrina flat out when we interviewed her of, you know, like, what are you doing to try and be more respectful? Because this game doesn't have a great history of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think beyond that as a player, it's about knowing what the boundaries are, knowing, you know, you're not going to do things like accents. You're not going to, you know, there, there are things that you just straight up don't do. And then beyond that, just taking some time to do some research and putting in a little bit of the work. And then also respecting the fact that this isn't a real place, right? Like, yes. so there, we, we have pulled a lot of cultural things and themes and, you know, historical ideas into this setting. But it's also important to realize that this is not Japan. It is not China. It is not, you know, anywhere in the real world. And treating that with a sort of a grain of salt anytime that, you know, something does come up that you think maybe is, you know, a little bit too close to reality or, you know, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very good point, realizing that Rokugan is not a real place. And I think that, and I would definitely recommend people to go back and listen to your all's podcast with Katrina. It was it was really informative, and it, I definitely got the impression, and what I've read so far, is that the new edition has made leaps and bounds in the right direction, which is always exciting to hear. So, Yeah, in, in the new Emerald Empire book, I was reading the chapter the other night on religion and Rokugan, and it's like, hey... Uh, in Rokugan, your characters might chant prayers and sutras and stuff like that. Don't do that at a real table because you don't know who's walking yeah. by. And, uh, you know, try to treat this as res- with, with respect and do your research and understand what's fiction and what's what's someone's real religious beliefs. And it's like that sidebar would have never appeared no. in, in a book previous to this edition. They are just like, ah, it's Japanese fantasy. Go wild. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they didn't have the same amount of... um of sensitivity to to that kind of thing in the past, I would say. So with that in mind, then I'm sure that you guys are all ready to jump into this new edition. Yes. So let's talk about this new campaign that you guys are going to be starting. So we've, you've already mentioned that it's, it's all crane. So Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Is, is is that something that, is that crazy for an, uh, uh, legend of the five rings game for everybody to be the same clan? No, I think that, the game itself kind of supports two styles of playing. Um, the first one is what they did in the first season of Shadow of the Cabal, which is playing as Emerald Magistrates or Yoriki, which are like, I don't know, Rokugan FBI. Yeah. Um, and so usually then you have a mix of clans kind of working together, but you need to have a reason why these people are together because in the lore of the setting, the clans are constantly fighting with each other about something or other. And every clan has a reason to hate some other clan. And so trying to tell a story where these people are together doing stuff, there is no you meet in a tavern in this game because you serve a lord and your lord always has something for you to be doing. And it is not wandering off going on adventures. And so those stories are kind of hard to tell. Whereas when you are in a single clan game, you all have a reason that you would be working together right off the bat. You know, I think the hard part there is just trying to differentiate the characters from each other enough because those clans kind of all come with their own flavor. And so 
trying to make your characters different enough, I think is the bigger challenge there. Yeah, and, and in our case, the uh, the flavor of the Crane Clan, just for those who don't know, um, they're the master uh, artists and politicians and duelists of the Empire. Um, they definitely own the courts. Um, they're good at talking. They're very uh, social uh, characters, if you want to think about it in that sort of archetype. And um, they view everything as an art, even religion, which is which is really interesting. Um, and the the reason why we picked this is because um, in our previous game in Shadow of the Cabal, um, we had an arc late in the in the series where all the characters went to Winter Court in Rokugan. Um, the snows are too bad to do anything during the winter, so all the samurai hole up in a castle and scheme against each other for three months. Sounds amazing. Um, yeah, and it was our favorite part of the last campaign, and, and we had a lot of fun with having these recurring characters come back, and I could sit in between sessions and be like, okay, this character, they screwed over last session, so they're actually going to try to achieve their own goals this section, and, and then maybe the players get in the way of that. And that that style of thinking and play was was so refreshing for us that we kind of wanted to do that all the time. Um, so we, we started a... a an idea for a crane clan game. And we wanted to zoom in the story um, a lot because shadow of the cabal was definitely a, the, the first series I should say was definitely like a globe trotting mystery. It's very like pulpy in some ways. Um, but I wanted, and we all wanted, I, I should say, this isn't something that I just decided we talked about it for a long time is that we wanted a smaller setting, a smaller story, really focusing on the character dramas in between uh, the different player characters, their NPCs and themselves, because that's a really big part of the new rules for fifth edition. It, like it has the character drama baked into the rules. Yeah. So smaller, smaller scope. And I'm all for smaller scope putting, when you get a bunch of people all together, there's going to be tension. Emotions are going to boil. I think it's all mm-hmm. going to be more conducive to a really great game. So what is the, can you give me then like an elevator pitch or a synopsis for this new camp, new campaign? Yeah, go ahead, Amelia. You're playing it. Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that the the one sentence, uh, you know, tagline on our movie poster is important people in an unimportant place. And so our story is about people kind of trying to make their way in this province that is just not doing super great. And they're trying to make a name for themselves and, you know, follow the rules that they've been given while still achieving their own goals. Yeah, um, in the current fiction, um, the Crane clan lands have been racked by a tsunami several years ago, which poisoned most of their farming fields, which in a feudal society, food is money. And they've lost huge amounts of influence and money and, and wealth in the courts. And so we have this, this group of people who w- are used to being on top of the world and have been for centuries and have been raised to believe that they will own the courts. And suddenly they find that place slipping and they're having to try to maintain their nobility and their dignity when having to deal with very honest questions like where will our next meal come from and so um, all the all the characters all the player characters are playing as advisors to a lord in the sort of backwater province of the crane clan that's been mostly forgotten by the other crane it's not an, an important place but it is still their duty to serve their lord and try to make ends meet in itoshi province okay so then 
would you say and say that the player characters themselves are experienced? Is it, it's not like you guys are going to be starting this campaign where it's you think about the 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 peasant boy with a sword or whatnot. This is these you, your characters. It sounds like correct me if I'm wrong. They've got some time behind their belt. Um, a little bit. Okay. One of the things about L5R is the majority of the time you are playing a character who's already gone through their school, and that's reflected in in how you build your character and the stats that they get. So you get your clan then your family within that clan, and then your school, which is your training and specialization. And so there's always the understanding that you have some kind of background. Um, I think for our characters, I know a couple of us are playing like a little bit older than you guys started last time, right? Because you started around like 18 or 20, I think. Yeah, I think like samurai come of age between the ages of like 15 and 18 and so you're assumed to be playing like brand new fresh characters but yeah some of the characters even though mechanically we're all brand new characters some of the characters in song of the crane are a little bit older than they were last time yeah there's a sort of understanding within the story that we've been kind of working on things for a little bit right you're not thrust into a new job at the start of the campaign it's like theoretically you had been you had been the chancellor of the province for for several years, but now that the narrative spotlight is on you, now the interesting stuff is going to happen. It was all boring up right, until then. Now I'm, I'm going to complicate your life. Absolutely. <laughs> we yeah we want to we want to skip all that stuff and we want to get to right. the action and the drama. So how would you then? Is it is it possible then to fit this? I know campaigns they change over the course as you start to play them, especially looking back at some of your your previous campaign and listening to some <laughs> conversation and the way it. Uh, you guys, if you want to go listen to Shadow of the Cabal, the the first campaign, please go do. But correct me if I'm wrong. It it ended kind of sh- not short. It was when you guys needed it to end, but. Uh, yeah. How do you how do you do that then with something like Legends of the Five Rings and you're trying to create this very dramatic game with a very with through lines and plot and whatnot, but then it's a this is not you're not telling your own narrative. You've got four other people around that table. Yeah, I, I can speak to it from the from the GM's point of view in that um I think I run Legend of the Five Rings as a much more sort of quote unquote guided railroady type of game if we're gonna if we're gonna be pejorative about it. Like it's it's a much more focused narrative. I don't play to find out what happens. I, I think we all play to sort of find out how we get there. Um I've been proven wrong before. And if you want to listen to the first campaign of Shadow of the Cabal near the ending, you can see how um I was very wrong about what I thought was going to happen. Um, but I don't know, it's it's sort of a give and take of trying to play in that space of very clearly we're trying to explore four character stories, um, but at the same time, they have to. The player's duty is to sort of construct those stories in the framework that I'm laying, which is the overall story. I mean, it can get complicated, and we're we're not perfect mm-hmm. at it. Like we, after every session, we meet, and and Amelia will be like, "Oh, I want to have this kind of character moment next thing." And I'm like, "Okay, I'll make sure you get a chance to do it." So it's not like we're doing it in a in a vacuum. I don't know if you want to speak more to that, Amelia. I think we started. You know, like I said, very purposefully, we built this province together and kind of, you know, named some places and some things that we wanted to happen. We were all very open when we were creating our characters about their backstories and the things that we wanted for them. So I think Tanner had all of that information up front. And we also had that information about each other so that we can kind of pull on some of those 
plot strings for each other too. I, I think in a game like this, when you're trying to tell a dramatic story, you end up doing a lot of metagaming because you you want to have those kinds of conversations to be able to say, I want my character to have this particular moment. Can you help me set up that scene? And I think that in like fun and silly games, it doesn't feel as necessary as it does in a dramatic game where you want that strong through line. Mm-hmm. And I also think that there's a difference because we're playing for an audience too. There's a different level of we want a cohesive story. So we want you to be able to listen to the first episode. And then when you get to that last episode to to feel like things kind of wrapped up, like there weren't loose ends. Whereas when you're playing at home, you kind of get done and you're like, okay, well, you know, we just totally forgot about that thing that happened in our very first session and that's fine. But there's a different level of, you know, a different level of narrative requirement almost when you're when you're playing for an audience. And I, and I will say, to, just to add on to what Amelia's saying, this is all the ideal. Yes. Right, uh, absolutely. This is what the blueprint is. Obviously, no plan survives first contact with the players. Even though we're still working together to try to get to the same point, um, the players come up with things all the time that I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a good point. And that totally invalidates this whole story hook I was setting up. There was but- one last time, though, where we said, we're like, yeah, I bet that's going to be really important. And you like looked at us and you were like... <laughs> Well, it sure is now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, I'm always trying to listen to my players and, and respond to them. And at the same time, they're doing the same thing, too. They don't really know all the time in detail what I'm going to throw at them in a session. You know, like, in, in our in the at the end of our second session, we had a tragedy strike very unexpectedly to all the players um, that I had planned, obviously, for months. But the players didn't know about that. Like, that's one secret I did keep from them. So... It is all about like trying to play, you know, making sure that the surprises are constructive and not destructive. Like it's never a moment of me, like if the players swerve my, my prep, it's never a moment of like, well, this is where the session ends because I have nothing to prepare this. It's, it's sitting down and saying, okay, where does this need to go now that you guys have decided to do this? And we'll have a conversation about that for a while and then figure out how we, how we do the rest of the session. I think it's important to know that like metagaming doesn't necessarily mean that we've plotted everything out or that, you know, we we talk about a whole how a scene is going to end before we have it or anything like that. But I think it's just much more of a collaboration of what we want to happen, where we think things will go and what we can do to help the story move in that direction so that we don't all feel like we're kind of stalling out and spending a lot of time doing things that aren't going anywhere. Yeah, and I was going to say um you know you said it um, there's, and I think it's a good advice for players and GMs and Tanner, you talking about how players can kind of change stuff as you're running the game in a good, in good ways, but just talking outside of the table, there's not, uh, there's, and I've recently started using this myself and my home games more. And there's this, it depends on who you're playing with and not, and every game group is different, but there's always this connotation that metagaming is not good, but I think for something, especially like Legend of the Five Rings, where you're trying to tell this very deep story, I think it's very important. Talk about what your characters want. What are their what are their motivations? What are they what are they feeling? Where do they want to go? Yeah, I, I think if you think about it like if I put Amelia and Justin and Ryan and Dakota in a room and gave them each a pad of paper and said, Hey, write a character story, they would all go in four different directions. Like they need 
to collaborate between themselves and with me as sort of the the showrunner, the director, the editor of making sure that those stories intertwine because otherwise we're just going to jump around between four different characters all doing their own thing and being sad on their own. We want them to be sad together. And I think that there's a level of enjoyment to be gained for players from that too because you spend a lot of time building this character and especially over a longer campaign you start to get attached to them and you want things for them and so being able to talk with the other people in the group about that and say this is kind of what I want for my character this is you know something that I would like to explore and then having you know Ryan be able to come in and say okay here's how I can help us get to that point or you know being able to build some of those relationships with the other characters so that you are all pulling on the same strings too, I think makes a better experience for everybody. Yeah. Even the listeners uh, it's, I, I think it's important that I want to point that out about you guys, shout out Cabal in particular with your candidate, you do a lot of, you definitely do a lot of editing. That was one of the things. If you go back and listen, yeah. listen to your um, very first podcast, the we've, we said it before on our previous show until your guys's audio was, it's there's always improvement, but you guys were pretty much you were you were good at the at the beginning. So just understanding that you guys do have a very I would consider a high production quality just with the style of play and then also your editing and whatnot. Yeah, I, w- I will say to uh, for what Amelia was saying, we do all this collaboration beforehand. We do all this collaboration when we when we hit the table and we start playing and role playing and setting up scenes and intertwining them. We record for four hours and fifty percent of that gets cut. I have never been able to change that ratio, <laughs> no matter what we do. So, you, I, I just want listeners at home to understand that like what you're hearing is still the best possible clean version of what we did it's it's messy at the table we're we're only human there's lots of pauses and saying oh wait who was that guy again and me saying oh for the last time amelia was this guy and amelia is like i don't know and then oh <laughs> no she's amelia's very good at taking okay. notes don't talk to me about yeah that. all right <laughs> yeah she, she takes a lot Take of notes that's one thing I, i'll give her credit for that but um just like it is messy still and and listening to a final um, highly edited actual play, whether it's us or any other actual play, it's not really the experience at the table. It's, it's the, a storybook version of it. It's the ideal version of it. But, you know, at the table, it's still just as messy as, as one of your games might be, you know. I think that that was, um, really, I, I don't want to say eye opening because I knew that there was a lot of <laughs> editing that went into it, but I think that it made me feel a lot better when I finally sat down and played with you guys because I was so nervous. I was like, oh my God, they're such good role players. I'm like, this game's so good. And like, we're not. I know. No. And then I sat down and I was like, oh yeah, you're just as bad as the rest of us. Like, <laughs> I can do this. This is okay. <laughs> like, I was a lot less nervous after playing with you guys a couple times, not because you're bad at it, but it was like, Okay, I don't have to maintain this high sta- high high standard of you know The stars are just like us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tanner will just no. cut it all out. <laughs> yeah, I'll just cut it all out. No, it, I mean it's it's me asking a question and then Justin going uh for 8 seconds straight and then saying something and I'm like cut that. Look how smart he sounds now. <laughs> That's so funny. So, Amelia then is are you allowed to tell us about your character or is that off limits or right, just give us a brief synopsis of like what can we expect from you with this new new campaign tanner how much am i allowed to say 
Um, you're you're allowed to talk about pretty much whatever you want. This is coming out after episode one is out, so All right. yeah. You, 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 you talk about your character as, as we as we join her at the beginning yeah, of episode just, yeah. one. Yeah. Um. So I am playing Daidoji Itsuko, who is a diplomat. Um. Her job is basically to be chancellor to the daimyo of our province. So she does all of the political negotiating on behalf of our our little province, our little town. And so she's man, how do you describe her? She is what? Well, you're shaking your head at me. <laughs> how do we describe her? What words oh, could put po- no, <laughs> no, I'm like just trying idea. to think like I mean, I feel like we've been talking about these characters for so long that like what I know about them versus what people know about them. Why don't you them. talk about her, her duty and her desire and how those are different? Yeah. So her, her duty, her job is to negotiate on behalf of the crane and to make the crane look good and, you know, hopefully eventually fix this famine situation. So there's a lot of negotiating with other clans and things like that as part of her job. Her desire is to make a name for herself. She has a checkered past with her family they're not you know necessarily held in high regard and so her goal is to kind of improve that situation and do better for herself yeah i think that's that's actually i wanted to talk about this because this is kind of you talk about this duty and desire and it's it's so it's it's so cool as far as in legends of five rings this it's a because it's not only a storytelling concept this is a mechanical concept especially in the new edition and yeah could you let's talk so one of the things i want to talk about is we've got the new fifth edition that is out what what makes it different than before and how does this whole idea of your duty and your desire is it going to actually factor in yeah uh, i can speak to that a little bit um so this is the new edition of L5R is by Fantasy Flight Games, which are famous in their RPGs for having funny proprietary oh, dice. I love the dice. Some people, <laughs> some people hate them. I love them. I think they add a lot to the game. Um, in L5R, the way it works is that um, you'll roll some dice based on your your stats and your approach to a problem. So, like, you're on your character sheet. There's no stat for how strong your character is. There's no stat for how smart they are. Your stats are the five uh, elements, which are in L5R are earth, air, water, fire, and void. And each one of those denotes a different way of approaching problems. So void approaches are very detached. They're very mystical. They're intuitive. They're not unthinking. While, say, a fire approach is passionate, it's lively, it's um, sudden, it's you know, explosive maybe. And you can approach anything in the game, any skill that you make, with any of those approaches and those those um those rings are your stats in the game so right off the bat you're it, it adds to the character drama because it's not saying my strength is 12 so i'm slightly above average but my dexterity is eight so i'm slightly below average it's like no like itsuko's character she she has a high water and air which means she gets along with people but she's also subtle and tricky but also outgoing and gregarious and all these other things and it's just so many better adjectives to describe your character with i think um right out the gate but basically when you roll your dice um it's you make a dice pool and you roll it and you'll you're looking for successes to get a target number but also attached to those dice are strife and strife represent um your 
characters' emotions upwelling uh, in the process of what they're doing. And you kind of have to take strife to be able to get really high results on things. Um, it's really hard to avoid strife. But in the world of Rokugan and the samurai, um, showing emotion is considered dishonorable or at least beneath your station. You know, you should be the stoic, calm warrior goddess at all times but human beings are human beings and so we want to laugh and cry and yell out when we're in a fight or in a frustrating situation so when your strife gets too high um you have the option of unmasking which is to reveal something about your character and the way that they feel so right off the bat that's another just like prompt for a role-playing moment it's like okay itsuko is in this heavy uh discussion with this other diplomat and her strife is maxed out so either she has to clam up and not do anything and hold it together or she has to express herself suddenly and she loses all that strife because she she let it all out um is there anything you want to say about that amelia i've been talking for a long time sorry no i think that all of the mechanics in this game uh really promote the opportunity to role play so there are because of the approaches, you have to consider how to solve a problem, not just say, there's a thing that needs to be solved. I solve it. Like, you don't just, you know, have investigation. Well, how do you go about looking into this thing? How do you go about trying to figure something out? And you can't always just roll your best stats because that's not always the way to solve things. And it's just not always the way that it works or really the best option even if you are good at it i know that's a thing right, we, with npcs too is that they have yeah i was just gonna mention I for, what are they called they're like their demeanors. demeanors um and so certain approaches will be better or worse in communicating or doing things with them because of their own personalities just like in real life there are certain people that you have to approach certain ways and so you know sometimes you're dealing with someone that you know it is better to approach them with their you know with a reasoned calm argument in which case you would use your earth ring but i'm not good at that my character's not you know my earth is not very high but i still have to try it because that is the kind of argument that that person will respond to you know, and I, I like yeah. that there's a lot of opportunity to do things like that and to reinforce the feel of the game. And also as a player that you can't just be good at everything all the time. I think that lends itself to the more dramatic nature of this game is that sometimes things don't go great because you're just not good at them. But you have to pretend to be good at them anyway, because it's your job. <laughs> yeah, the and so I, the approaches where I've ran the starter set, the new fifth edition starter set now twice. And I, I love the idea of approaches because it just helped the players so much because they almost had like, I think you guys said, they've got five different role playing prompts that are just right there, right in front of them. And it really did it guided the way that they were playing. And then on top of that, the strife and the unmasking is my favorite thing. Because I love yes. it so much. It's I, I mean, I've seen people play and be because I think that for a lot of people playing games, your immediate reaction is I don't want anything bad to happen. You know, you yep. want to kind of it, sometimes put your character in a bubble and, you know, like you want to succeed at everything and do great. And strife is kind of a weird mechanic for that, because sometimes to succeed, you have to also take this negative thing. And there's always the worry that unmasking is going to cause some big problem and be horrible for you. I Love it so much. I think it's such a great role playing opportunity and a good moment to be able to show the humanity of these people that like it, it, we all get frustrated. You're doing something and it is taking way longer than it should or 
you know, somebody is just really starting to get on your nerves and you kind of snap at them, you're like a little bit too mean. And we've all been there. But like, those are the kinds of moments that make a character a real person, I think. I'm mm-hmm. glad you said that, yeah. too, because both times I've ran it is all of my I had a really great good grape of players both times and they were all like there was one thing you don't want your strife to get up too high but everybody was just kind of like i kind of want this to happen just because i i want to see it and both times it was so funny the crane clan character and the starter set both times that character went above their strife and had to unmask and that character just their their unmask was they just start to uncontrollably weep and it was just yes it, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> which is very on brand for um, a sort of a crappy teenager, you know, which is what you're playing in the oh, starter so set, funny. you know, a bunch of teen samurai. Yeah. Um, but I, one thing I will say is that with unmasking, it talks about this in the, in the full book too, is that sometimes it can be an advantage because when you're not having to worry about what you're presenting versus what you're feeling and you can act with both thought and emotions like you can achieve some really powerful things like if you're unmasking is raising your voice to your lord yeah that's the wrong thing to do but they know you're being very serious because that's not something anybody would normally do so it can work to your advantage to make them take you seriously or in a fight unmasking and raging you know like samurai aren't like you're a human being not a killing machine you know it's unnatural to want to kill things but when you rage and you you let that emotion out like you can achieve things that you can't otherwise and that's one of those things where like unmasking can can be a benefit just as much as it is a hindrance yeah and i'm really looking forward to your guys's new campaign to see what everybody's unmasking is and just to (laughs) just to see it in its full glory uh I can give you a hint. Uh, Ryan's character, his unmasking when things go wrong is for him to double down oh, on whatever he was just doing. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that that's goes. Gonna be, oh, man, I, Tanner, I don't know if I envy you as a game master. <laughs> well, I just know I can get him to do whatever I want because I can get him into a situation where he doubles down on what he wants to go. do. I'm like, oh, All right. There we go. I think the best part about that, though, is that that is also what he wants to do. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like we are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, these poor sad kids. We are. We are yeah. not kind to our characters. <laughs> no, we are not. That's perfectly fine for something like L five R. So I am really looking forward to this new campaign. Um, Tanner, what was the campaign name called again? It's called Song of the Crane. Um, I tried to stick to the SOTC acronym just because I thought it was cute. Um, but yeah, I just want to emphasize to people, if you had an interest in Shadow of the Cabal but didn't want to catch up on a 47-episode campaign, you don't need to know anything about the first series. It's not really a sequel to it. It's in a similar world, but um, you can totally jump in on on episode zero where we explain the rules and the setting kind of like we did here and um, just get, get rocking and rolling with it. Enjoy Song of the Crane. Well, I'm excited. I'm sure you guys are excited. When does the first episode drop? February 1st. So hopefully, um, unless there has been some grave disaster, you'll have it in your podcast feed when you're listening to this. too. Fantastic. All right, guys. So we're going to leave it right there. Before we go, though, Tanner and Amelia, can you let everybody know where we can find you? Yeah. Um, I'm like I mentioned, I'm Tanner. I'm the game master for Shadow of the Cabal. You can find Shadow of the Cabal on pretty much any podcast platform of your choice. We're on Twitter at SOTC Pod. We are on Patreon. If you look forward to our show every week and want to kick us a couple bucks and get access to our Discord community and stuff, that is at uh, patreon.com slash SOTC Pod. 
Website is shadowthecabal.com, and um, we are on the RPG Academy Network. Amelia, you want to you want to you want to promote anything? <laughs> um, I am all of those things that Tanner just said as well, and then also um, Character Creation Cast is on Twitter at Creation Cast, and Garbage of the Five Rings is on Twitter at G5R Podcast. Fantastic! Please check out Shadow the Cabal. Please check out Garbage of the Five Rings. <laughs> just do it. It's so it's, it's so hoot. good. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me once again. This has been Tom, and I've been joined by Tanner and Amelia. All right, guys. Remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGAcademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at The RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, The Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.